The Old Testament reading is from Amos chapter 7. This is what the Lord God showed me. Behold, the Lord was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never again pass by them. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah, and eat bread there, and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is the temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle reading is from Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. King Herod heard of it. For Jesus' name had become known. Some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. Uh, that is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, it is Elijah. And others said, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent him and seized John and bound him in prison 
for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. And when he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. But an opportunity came when Herod had his birthday, gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guest. And the king said to the girl, whatever you, Ask me whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, For what should I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oaths and his guest, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. And when the disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this day from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, our readings, well, they're not exactly the happiest readings, at least not the Old Testament and the Gospel, but yet they're readings that are important for us. They're included in the narrative of the Gospel for this day, this beheading of John the Baptist, but also the difficulty it was to be a called prophet of the Lord. You know, in our world around us, we are taught to know your enemy. A sports team will study the films of the other team to learn their plays and identify their strengths and weaknesses. A chess master will study the games of other chess masters to know their opponent's strategies. And in the business world, a company will study its competitors. But in a much more serious matter, you also should know your ultimate enemy, the old evil foe that now means deadly woe. Deep guile and great might are his dread arms to fight. So what are the aims and the goals of our old evil foe, the devil, the ruler of this world? What's his agenda? And what are his strategies and tactics? Know your enemy. Well, certainly the devil wants to see all matter of violence and wickedness. And the more of that that he sees, the happier he is. But that the center of what he's about is unbelief. He wants to keep unbelievers in their unbelief, dead in their trespasses and sins. He wants to entice also and draw believers away from their Lord and away from the faith to unbelief. 
The devil wants us to see unbelief with death, temporal and eternal death, as the only future. But as we've studied and heard a little bit about our enemy, it's also too good to know who our advocate is. And what does the Holy Spirit want for us? The Holy Spirit wants to create and sustain faith in our hearts. The Holy Spirit wants to tighten the bonds between you and your Savior Jesus in order to make you a stronger, more mature Christian to grow in Christ and wisdom. So how does the Holy Spirit accomplish that? By means of the Word of God. The Holy Spirit does not work directly or without element, without instruments. He works through the Word of God, proclaimed in its truth and purity. Through the law of God, he leads sinners to contrition and repentance. And through the promises of the gospel, God works faith. He creates it and sustains it and gives joy in the Lord. The Holy Spirit truly does work through the word of God. So we know that the devil's simple goal is to prevent sinners from hearing God's word. He wants to keep you from hearing it really listening to it, and taking seriously what the Lord Almighty has to say. At its core, the devil's agenda is to prevent you and others from hearing that life-giving word of God. So how does our old evil foe do that? Well, we see his tactics in Scripture, don't we? One approach is to fill the arena with an umpteen false voices, in an effort to drown out and marginalize the true voice of God. Throughout the history of ancient Israel, we read of false prophets, counterfeit voices. In fact, they normally outnumbered the true prophets. And the false prophets, they would tell sinners what they wanted to hear. And as a result, they were popular. The way sinners would basically listen only to themselves. That's what the false prophets would do. The true word of God is never the only voice in the arena. It was and still is a competitive environment. So which voice are we going to listen to? You know, so many times, what was it that happened in the Old Testament days? The common approach to stop God's word from advancing was to silence the proclaimers, just to silence them. It is said that the prophet Isaiah was sawn in two. The mitre seer of old was executed like just so much garbage. The apostle Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down. Very often prophets and apostles were pursued and imprisoned. You might remember Elijah being constantly threatened. The prophet Jeremiah, as well as Paul, often found themselves in prison. But God always has the last laugh. The writings of the prophets and the apostles were preserved. And we can hear them and study them in this day, because God will not be silenced. The devil, the ruler of this fallen, corrupted world in which we live, strives to prevent sinners from hearing the true word of God. 
In one instance, in Amos chapter 7, we hear about that. We heard it a little bit ago. Let's jump into kind of our own mental time machine now and go back to that time, to the year 760 B.C. The place is Bethel, about 10 miles north of Jerusalem. When Solomon died, the great king of Israel, the northern ten tribes separated. The north succeeded from the union, you might say. And then the creator of all things that were made. Even though the creator had called Israel his own covenant people, and that included the ten northern tribes as well. So God raised up prophets like Elijah and Elisha to proclaim his word to those northern tribes. And now he calls Amos. Amos from the southern kingdom of Judah to go north to the northern kingdom and proclaim. And so there was Amos in Bethel and where throngs of people had gathered to worship. You see, instead of worshiping in Jerusalem where they were supposed to go, those ten northern tribes had set up their own sanctuaries. One was located in Dan, way to the north, and then one in Bethel, in the south of the northern kingdom. And there they would go to worship. And so God still was among his people. But the people that gathered at Bethel at this false sanctuary, didn't want to hear God's word anymore. Amaziah, the priest there at Bethel, complained about Amos to the king of Samaria. Now notice that Amaziah, well, he did some spin doctoring. Amos was announcing God's words of judgment against the rebellious Israel. But Amaziah construed it to be a conspiracy by Amos. And you thought only those things happen in this century. See, Amaziah said, Amos has conspired against you, O King Jeroboam. Amaziah painted Amos as some kind of political subversive. And Amaziah interpreted the message of the true God as mere human politics as the southern kingdom trying to overthrow the northern kingdom. And so through his prophets, God spoke to sinners to give them life. But the opponents reduced the word of God to worldly politics, as if everything is only about worldly politics and economics. Do we see that happening today? All over the place, don't we? Unfortunately, we're seeing where people are exchanging the true word of God and saying, oh, no, 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 that's not right. I'm going to believe what I want to believe. I want to believe in what things I can choose to do. And we see that happening. Maybe we ourselves are even tempted in that way. And you see, that's something the devil's working on us about, isn't it? The old evil foe tries to prevent sinners from the life-giving word of God. And that's one way that he does it, by leading people to discount it, to ignore it, trivialize it, dismiss it as simply human speech and human opinion. 
Amos said, thus speaketh the Lord. And the opponents say, no, that's only what you say, preacher man. Then Amaziah, the priest, tried to pressure Amos to leave. He said, go back to your home in Tekoa in Judah, about 10 miles south of Jerusalem. O seer, go, flee away from the land. Flee as if your life is in danger. You see, Amaziah was falsely telling Amos these things rather than to hear what God's word would say. So often you and I, we get caught between a rock and a hard place. We have God's word, strong and secure. God's word that, that says and does all those wondrous things. It tells us of our sinfulness, yes. It tells us of our need for a Savior. And then it tells us the sweet truth that that Savior has been sent to die for us. So you and I today, we are people that have been called together by God called into this place so that we might worship the true God, to hear his word, his word of truth, that truth that does not change. And there's some comfort in that, isn't there? Knowing that God's word does not change with the seasons or the decades that what is a sin in the first century A.D. is still a sin in the 21st century. That God's word is direct. It pierces us. It tells us what is wrong and what is evil. It puts a spotlight on the devil and his work so that we would know our enemy. But so often you and I we don't really pay much attention to God's word, unfortunately. Many times we just kind of rely on what we already knew rather than opening up the pages of sacred scripture to again hear and read what God has said. And you know, sometimes I'm finding in my own brain that while I know things and I've read things before, my memory's not as good as it used to be. And that sometimes I can leave a word out of a Bible verse. And when you leave a word out, the meaning can change pretty dramatically. That's why we need refresher courses in the scripture for us to keep that word bound in our hearts and minds so that we know God's truth forwards and backwards, so that we're not forgetful, that we're not led into thinking, well, did God really say that? But rather, we know what God actually said. We know what is written. And by so doing, we're able to refute the devil. You and I know that there is this battle going on, right? this battle going on for our souls. Our old ancient enemy is still coming after us. But our Savior Jesus has intervened. 
he has intervened to take upon himself all our sins and iniquities. And he has sent the Holy Spirit to be the one who indwells us, to strengthen us in God's truth. And so today, let us open our Bibles more. Let us read what we already know, but maybe have forgotten something about. Come August, we're going to be starting Bible classes again. We're going to be starting Sunday school again. We're going to invite you to participate in the study of God's word. And I certainly hope and pray that you take advantage of that. To open up the words of scripture and see what it says for yourself. Because the world has a lot of confusing voices. In fact, sometimes our own voices can get in the way. So may you and I read God's word and live it. May we know God's word so strongly and so well that we're able to stand strong on the day of temptation, that we're able to turn the devil's untruths around and, and shock him with God's word of truth because that is our only protection. So today, realize that, people of God, that God has claimed you as his own. He wants and desires for you to know him better. And so, just as when you were having your children for the first time, you remember that they didn't come with an owner's manual. You had to learn some things about them, and you keep learning as they grow. So also, we as Christians grow as we continue our study of God's word. Because after all, is there anybody who loves us more than our Heavenly Father? The devil doesn't. Even those people that are our friends don't love us as much as God loves us. So may we continue to know the love of God better and better as the days go on. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guide our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.